1: You ready to roll, Vince?
2: Always ready to rock. All right. Well, you were in the host side, so I didn't know if you were hosting. Right, what? Because you on didn't me.
1: put yourself in the host side. Well, Come on, man. Well, there we go. Hey, welcome everybody. What would another- you say you do here?
2: <laughs> so that's well, one of my I favorite
1: got- scenes from any movie. Ever. I got
2: thrown by Toe Jam's comment. I'm not gonna lie. Before we roll okay. into, I got thrown by this. I had. It says, "Hello, I.B. Nation. Uh, rest what? in peace, Ray Liotta. Goodfellas is a legendary movie that will live on forever." That was completely off my radar. I had no idea that Ray Liotta passed. Yeah, it and just happened. That like totally threw me as we were, it was like three, two, one, Ray Liotta died. What? Like, I was completely, <laughs> that stinks, man. Wow. That, yeah. that is not the news I needed today. Um, but we have other things to talk about today. It is Thursday and it is May 26th and it is the third quarter of the schedule. And yeah. we are going to chat about the third quarter, what it holds for Notre Dame, what where Notre Dame should be going into the third quarter and then what the third quarter means to this Notre Dame team yeah. and where it lies because yeah. I mean frankly Brian, I don't think Notre Dame in my personal opinion Notre Dame should be nothing worse than 5 and 1 going into right. the third quarter with right. a lot of momentum.
1: Frankly. This is sort of a defining quarter. And, and before we dive too much into that, I do want to remind people that tonight at seven o'clock, we will Boom. have a second show Boom. today. Jaden Lamar is going to decide between Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon, and Arizona. We will carry his decision, talk about what it means for Notre Dame one way or the other, and uh, and just kind of go from there. But when you look at this third quarter, Vince, this is to me, this is going to be the de- the season defining quarter. And I know right now all of our focus is on ohio state and everybody's sure. talking about ohio state and all this other kind of stuff and ohio state's important don't get me wrong a win over ohio state is huge there's no question about it a a blowout loss which has become kind of sort of become the norm for notre dame in such games in the last you know 20 years or so is bad there's no spin on that the 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 Response to it, however, is it is the first game of the year, and we have seen a lot of teams lose early in the season sure, and sure. still move, go on to have very good seasons, great seasons, playoff seasons. I I, I point to Ohio State again, and their championship year—they lost the second game of the year at home by fourteen to a Virginia Tech team that went seven and six. Not only made the playoff, but won the national championship. Right. Right. So this is the this is the time of the schedule where it becomes okay who are you as a team. Sure. And and again it's not so much about Clemson as it is Vince the timing of the game. If you were to switch Clemson and Ohio State, I'd be saying the exact same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's the timing of it because this team is going to evolve. Now I'm not saying this team is going to improve because that we have to learn all that about a Marcus Freeman-led mm-hmm. coaching, t- led co- Marcus Freeman-coached football team. And we can say all we want about how confident we are in this and we think that, and, and, and we, all, we both agreed that Marcus Freeman was the higher Notre Dame needed to make, but now he's got to prove that, and whether we think he will or won't, no one being objective can say that he doesn't need to prove that. He does need to prove that clearly.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: My wife is the coffee drink in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest, roasted, and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you, and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife, or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts, and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And don't forget, it's Father's Day coming up. And a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. And this is the part of the season where that gets proven or, or not. Yeah. And 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 that's the whole point. And so when, when you look at this, you know, this part of the schedule, this is where you it's gonna get decided. And and it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting part of the schedule because you could argue if you break it down into threes and you go sequentially of those threes, this is the, this is arguably the most important point of the season. And, and people say, well, no, no, no. The finish is more important. Well, it, it, it does. If you, ha- it, the finish doesn't become important until this sure. stage is successful, sure. until makes two and three are successful, because <clears throat> if you lose the opener Ohio state, or if you lose to a BYU or North Carolina, you have a loss in the first two quarters. And you lose a game during this quarter, it the, the now it's just about salvaging your season, right? In the no fourth question. quarter, yeah. You you're not a playoff contender until you get through this quarter with one loss or less, right? That's the key, and that's why I say this is a very very important part of the schedule, and it's also a part of the schedule where it starts off rather soft, sure. With in my opinion, the worst team on the schedule by far. And then there's a bit of a trap game in the middle, and then you've got Clemson. And and so this part of the schedule with UNLV, Syracuse, and Clemson does become a very – I mean, because a 4-8 Syracuse team not that long ago ended up knocking off a team at home that not only went to the playoff but was a number one seed, and that was Clemson in 2017. Right. So you never take those games for granted – but at the same time you know if you're if you're going to be the team that that you think you're supposed to be those are the games you have to win the the thing for me more vince is more as we dive into those two opponents it's more so about what kind of momentum do you build during this portion because you if you look at the two quarters combined you know you've got that you know one of the tougher back to back games on the schedule in North Carolina and BYU, potentially. Sure. sure. And then it ends with Stanford. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a chance that the Stanford-UNLV-Syracuse stretch is the easiest stretch of the season. Right. Potentially. Sure. So then it gets into, okay, it's not just about winning – But if you're the team that you think you need to be, it's like these need to be not just get right games, but games where you really go out and start to build some rhythm and some momentum. And then carrying that into the final four games, which, you know, if we're to break it into thirds, the final third of Clemson Boston college and USC is
3: huge
1: for Notre Dame that three games before gives you a chance to really build some momentum. So that's what makes the UNLV stand and Syracuse part of the schedule important. And a lot of people want to dismiss it as, oh, they're bad teams. Well, and that's fine. But you, you can win by 20 and still not better yourself as a football team. And that's why there needs to be a focus on those opponents, because it's not so much about the opponents per se, but it's about what are the matchups that they present? What are the things that you can learn about sure. your football team? And then what kind of momentum can you build or lose heading into those big games? Because, you know, I'll point to 2015 for an example, Vince. Notre Dame lost a lot of momentum going into Stanford with the way they played against Wake Forest and B.C., a pair of 3-9 and nine football teams. And I just don't think they, you know, they were sloppy. And what hurt them against Stanford? Sloppy play. You know, Deshaun fumbling late in the first quarter, late first half when Notre Dame's driving after he has a long run. They end up fumbling and don't get points. You know, giving up big plays, missed assignments, things like that. That sloppy stuff hurt you in that game, missed tackles, things along those lines that hurt you. Well, that started building before that game. And that's the unique thing about football that I think really needs to be focused on. And that's why we like to look at these things holistically rather than just taking the four top opponents and acting like that's the entire season. That's how a season is defined. But when it comes to building your team, Vince, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, checking off the box of, okay, we beat UNOV, we beat say at Stanford, we sure. Syracuse.
2: I I will I will say, as we have kind of dove in a little bit more you know, into these quarters and the way that the schedule is made up, you've got to give a lot of credit to Jack Swarbrick and the manner in which this schedule is put together. Because when you break it up into quarters, they're very manageable quarters. I mean, there's obviously a big game, I think, in every quarter. Um, and, and then there's kind of like a second-tier – game i think in every quarter and then there's like kind of a hey we need to take care of business game in every quarter like i i really like the way it's set up and in the past some of the schedules that notre dame had was so front loaded like they had all of their tough mm-hmm. games up front and then the rest of the season was just like eh, you know they mm-hmm. need to be taking care of business the rest of the way and their season was almost over if they happened to lose a couple of those games up right front, you know what i mean and so right the way this schedule is set up, I just really like the way that it flows. I like where the buy is. I mean, there, there's just so much of it. And I realize some of it is out of Jack's control, but a lot of it is. the ACC has to help as well. Correct. Absolutely. And so I really like the way Jack has put together this schedule. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much Brian Kelly had to do with it. I'm sure he had his input. And so I'll give credit there as well. But I just like the way that this schedule lines up from the where the big – Uh, opponents are where the buy is all of the above I just I just really Mm -hmm. like I said there's been schedules in the past where you're like what were they thinking with the way that they set this
1: up this one sets up very nicely it does it does and and you know, there's enough of a test in this schedule where you do have three potentially four yeah. really good teams. Maybe Absolutely. it jumps up to five or six if North Carolina and Boston College are the teams we can be. Maybe it goes up to seven if Stanford's the team that we think that they can be. You know, there's all there's so many parts that go into this that you say, Hey, look, boy, th- th- this is a this is a challenging schedule, but it's also one in which you say it's built in a way to your point, Vince, that, that it's, it's manageable and and it gives you a lot of building games. And that was the difficult part. And I love your reference to, to the earlier back before Jack Swarbrick really sort of changed the way that the schedules put together. I mean, you you know, just go, it's like I was putting, so I was going through and just uh, doing some research and and just build it, creating some things to kind of, be able to have better search data. So, like I'm going through like the, you know, starting with Lou Holtz, going back and looking at the 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 teams that Notre Dame played, and then the Davy era, the Willingham through the Kelly era, you know, what were teams ranked when they played, what were teams ranked at the end of the season, all that kind of stuff. And you look at some of these schedules, especially in the nineties, it's like they were purposely yeah. trying to screw Notre Dame, the football program over in the nineties. I mean, it was it was really bad. And to be honest with you, I thought Bob Davy got the worst of it. I, 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 I mean, just some of the early season schedules he had were just a little bit like you got to be kidding me. Like 1999, yeah, they played Kansas in the opener, but after that it was, you know, Michigan at Michigan, who was a top ten team, at Purdue, who was ranked, at Michigan or home against Michigan State, who was ranked. Then you got right. Oklahoma at home, then Arizona State, USC, Navy at Tennessee, at Pittsburgh, home against Boston College, at Stanford. I mean, other than Navy, that's nothing but Power Five teams, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, boy. I mean, again, Bob Davies was a bad coach. It made it even worse, which is why they went five and seven. But still, I mean, Lou Holtz, I mean, Brian Kelly, a lot of coaches would have had a tougher time working through that schedule. And that was kind of the thing that that I thought doomed Lou Holtz at times when they would have some of those losses where you're like, what? They lost a, They lost to that team? And it's just like because there's this constant, you always have to be up, you always have to be up that – Right. You're, you're going to sometimes have those letdown games, you know, like Stanford in 1992 and, you know, Tennessee in, in 1991, where you kind of fade down the stretch and lose to, you know, lose to those teams. And it, it just, it, it's hard to get up every single week for those teams. And, you know, it, it, it um, it, this is a much, this is a much more manageable. Sk- it it's, it's, it's still a little soft, in my opinion, to be honest with you. I mean, if you base it off of what these opponents were last year, the combined record of Notre Dame's opponents is 73 and 76. I mean, your schedule has a combined losing record. It's still a little softer than I think a Notre Dame schedule should be. But that's not also necessarily their fault. I mean Stanford went three and nine, USC went four and eight. I mean, right. w- what are you supposed to do about that? Schedule right. Alabama because USC sucks and, and hope that this isn't the year that USC gets it back on track and you have to face USC and you have to schedule so far and Alabama. Right. You just don't know what right. teams are going to be eight. So, years now. yeah, it's not their fault when two of the regular teams in your opponent that for right. years were considered one of them was going to be good. I mean, there was always a time there was times when USC wasn't that good early in Kelly's tenure, but Stanford was really good. Right. Right. So you can't say, well, you know. You know, Kelly feasted on, you know, USC being bad early in his tenure. Oh, okay. But Stanford was one of the five to seven best teams in the country during that schedule. I mean, during that time. So you can't, and then when USC had good years, Stanford was down. And there was a couple times during Kelly's tenure where USC was good and Stanford was pretty decent. Right. You know, 2017, it wasn't a vintage Stanford team, but they were a nine win team. That's still a quality football team and USC won 11 games. Right. The problem is the last couple years, they've both the, – the last couple times they've played both, they both stunk. And that's in the schedule a little bit, but there's nothing that – you you can't fault Notre Dame for that because you, you can't assume that, that they're both going to stink at the same time. Well, and
2: it's also unfortunate that one of those teams is at the last weekend of the schedule – Right. And you, when you're trying to, net, you know, there's right. times where Notre Dame's trying to make a statement and that last game, because they don't have the conference championship game and all of that. Right. So they're trying to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, we're playing this turd team. And they're just not very yep. good. You know, that doesn't do Notre Dame any favors. You know what yep. I mean? From a perspective standpoint, going down the stretch.
1: Yep. I, I look at events and I, I, I'm going to get to the point now where it's like, okay, let's dive into this part of the schedule, let's but do it. I do think it is smart, and you see Ohio State does it, Alabama does it, Clemson has no choice but to do it because of the conference that I play in. But right. all the all the top teams schedule smartly. They, they, they as best they can, break up their big games. And that's why you see so many of these SEC teams schedule FCS teams late November, usually a lot of times right before their rivalry games because they understand, look, you can't just grind for 13 weeks. Right. And I say thirteen weeks because you normally have a buy. Sometimes it's fourteen weeks. You sure. know, if, if you're if you have one of those weird schedules, a double where You start the season early, right? Like, like Nate uh, Northwestern starts the week week zero. They call it right because they're playing in Ireland. And well, they have two they, buys next
2: year with the Ireland thing, aren't they? Mm, I, think so. yeah. I
1: think so. I think so. I'd have to go. I'd
2: have to look and see when that the game past, is when they've played Ireland or in yeah. Ireland. They've they've done it a week ahead of time, so they right. have,
1: you know. Right. I'll, I'll look actually right Pretty now because I, I think there's one more team that they're still trying to fill. let me see, four, five, six. And they have all 12. So they are playing that week zero, and then they also have a game in week one. That's the Tennessee State game. Then they have a bye, then Central Michigan, then Ohio State. So they'll have they'll have time to get caught up. And then they have another bye. They got the double bye, yeah. Right. Uh, well, actually, they, I don't know if – that's not necessarily – true because there are four to be announced games so i'm actually not sure about that as i look through it now yeah four of the acc games have yet to be announced Gotcha. so you don't know where those don't know where those are how those are going to fall into place sure we'll have to see how that goes but anyway let's dive into these opponents vince because i think the first game and we we don't spend a whole lot of time when you know me. why not i mean it it, look this needs to be a game where by halftime it's over and you've got your backups in the second half and you're getting and, and what the the point of that game is is not just adding stats and all. The point is that is a game where you have to be able to get your starters a lot of time on the bench mm-hmm. where they can rest. And it's a ch- also a chance where you can get a lot of your number twos, not just your young guys that, aren't, that are for next year, but your number twos, right? That's got to be a chance to kind of get those guys some serious work. So uh, that that's really the ultimate goal in that game is the, the – uh, the how do you define success against a team like, you know, V? It's twofold. Number one, you got to win, right? Right. Number two is, you just define it success by how quickly can you get your starters out of the game.
2: Sure, and and that, then, that, that's it to me. Yeah, and and look, and there's there's a perception of 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 what you should score against a team like UNLV, right? Or or the margin, and you know some of that can be explained away if you've got some of your young guys in there and they give up a touchdown or or whatever, right? But there it needs to be. The, the product on the field needs to be a dominant product from Notre Dame in the first half. Like it, it just, They need to leave no doubt, if you will. And, and, yeah, the final score could be lopsided. It should be lopsided. But if it's not completely lopsided, and as long as the starters aren't coming back in, you know what I mean? Like it needs to be a dominant product on the field for the first half. You're at home. They're coming to you. They're not a good football program. You need to take care of your business in the right way, not only so those other guys can get in the game, but because if you're going to be a top team, then you need to be a top team. You know what I mean? We see it all the time with Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. They they blow teams out of UNLV's caliber. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame needs to do that, right? Yeah. And it's not a running up the score situation. It's a, hey, we possess the ball. We're scoring the ball. Like, that. that is what it is, and we're going to turn you over. And if that leads to points, then great. But it just needs to be a dominant performance by Notre Dame if they're going to be considered a top echelon team. They can't. It can't be you know uh, a game where they squeak by and still get the win. That that can't be this game. It has to be domination for me. And 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 that's how I feel about games like UNLV. If you're going to be considered up here, then you need to take care of your business with the the lower level teams.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's gotta be it. And, and this isn't any disrespect to you and OV. No, and, and, I, and I know the program wants to be better and, and hopefully, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wish they were better, but they're just, they're not. I mean, you, you look at their two wins last year, they beat New Mexico and they beat Hawaii late. They did have a, a close loss to San Diego state late, but then they, you know, close loss to San Jose state, close loss to Utah state, close loss to Texas, San Antonio, who are all decent teams. They got blown out by Arizona State. They got blown out by Iowa State. They got blown out by Air Force. Right, uh, blown out by Nevada. I mean, this isn't a good football team. Right. I mean, there, there's no, there's, there, there's, there's no, no ifs ands, ands or buts about it. It's not a good football team. Is what it is, man. Yeah. Like this is like Marshall. Like I said, like Mar. There's just thing like a Marshall and UNLV, right? Like you could say, well, Marshall didn't play any Power Five teams. Okay, so like if you replace and that and, and I got your point. This isn't a pushback. No, but like if you I, if you took if you took the Power Fives off of. Uh, their schedule and gave them two games that they can win. There's they're they're four and eight instead of two and 10. That's still bad,
2: right? Right? If 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 I was going to have Marshall versus UNLV, I've got my money on the Thundering, and 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 that
1: was my whole point about like you know, no, Marshall's not the worst team on the schedule or even in the conversation for it. I, I, you know, it's it's this is bad, right? Like the goal should against Marshall should be the same against UNLV win. And how quickly can you get your starters off the sure, field? Absolutely. Right? It's true in both games, but this one it's even more necessary for two reasons, Vince. Number one, the Marshall game does happen early. And so early, it's like, okay, you you actually kind of want to leave your starters in a little sure. bit longer to get them some time together. Agreed. So maybe you take it into the fourth quarter, or the first series of the fourth quarter, if you have a big lead. Hopefully you have a big lead. Sure. But against UNLV, this is game seven, Vince. Correct, right? Like you kind of have an idea of who you are.
2: October, like once yeah. you are October, you yeah. better know who you are at this point, right? Like we we, like, and we talked about it in the last show. After six games, we're gonna have a pretty good idea of who Notre Dame is. And right, this is game seven, right? So, right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that.
1: It's like if if let's say Tyler Buckner wins the starting quarterback job, which we expect, and and he has played most of the snaps first six games. I mean, even. I'm coming in at halftime and I'm pulling Tyler Buckner and playing Drew Pine because even for if I'm going to put my the rest of my starting offense on the field for a series or two, I want to have my backup quarterback get some snaps with the it's first team opportunity for that. Right. But it 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 can't do that if it's 24 to 14. Right. Right? right. It, it's got to be it's right. got to be convincing.
2: It's something that we have wanted for a long time when it comes to whoever the number 2 quarterback is or was. We haven't seen it enough, in my opinion, of where the number two quarterback comes in with the rest of the number one offense and you're running the offense, not handing the ball off in garbage time. That doesn't matter to me. You or I could go in and hand the ball off. That that is not a complicated thing. Right. Right. That doesn't help you get used to throwing the ball to certain guys and, and reading defenses and all of those things. This is a game where if you want to keep your, your ones in for a couple series in the second half, or even, to be honest with you, depending on how the game's going, the last couple series of the second quarter, right? right. I want the start the second yes. quarterback
1: in with the first team running the offense. That's what I, I want. I, I don't know if, if in game seven I would do it in the first half okay. at quarterback, at quarterback. Be, simply because of it is still Tyler Buckner's first year. Vince, if he was like a returning starter, so you got more belt more start Yeah, right. Does, does that make sense? Like I, I, in theory, I I I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Uh we saw Clemson do that in 2019. Like there was a uh was it or is it was it 2020? 2019, no, it's 2020. Early in the year, I think, like, second game of the year, they are playing an FCS team, and they put in DJ Uyelunglele. It's uh, my best shot at it. Hey, and, great. like, first quarter, late yeah. first quarter, early second, something like that. Like, to your point, like, that's been done before, and I'm not against it at all. It's just I, I think that in this instance, it will just be starting, hopefully, number seven for Tyler Buckner. I mean, hopefully, meaning he didn't get hurt. Right, right. I don't know if I would go there just yet. But what you're saying is the same principle that I am saying, which is the halftime. So we're off by a couple series. And that's like splitting hairs. But yes. Right. But I I will say this. I do agree with that with other positions. Like in the middle of the game, when the game is somewhat still in doubt, you know, get if, if Tobias Merriweather's only been getting 10, 15 snaps a game up to this point. I'm getting them in early. Sure. If Jadarian Price is only getting a couple carries a game because the other guys are playing better, I might get him in a series early, let him run behind that line, first series, of the second quarter, or something like that. You right. know, like those are the those are the places. If Josh Burnham's been playing for you and you've burned his, his red shirts gone. Right, I may get him in on some some pass rush snaps or Aiden Gobyra or Tyson have Ford. A really good
2: idea by game seven, what your red shirt situation right. is. Right. Game so four. I would
1: rotate those guys in a little, like one at a time, one or two at a time. Right. I'm not doing the mass substitutions where you've got your backup offensive line, You're starting quarterback in the second quarter. I'm not talking yeah. about that. But I do think those are games, and that, that is definitely true of Marshall. Like, I don't even think that needs to be until game seven. Like, the, I would work in those guys' second quarter of the opener, of well, the, the, the opening think, home game.
2: That guys situation. that you think are going to have a role. Right. Maybe it's not an expanded role right. yet. But if it's a, if you see them getting on the field, right? It, you know, I don't want to say crunch time, but in a game
1: situation, right? get them some more time. Absolutely. Because the point you're making, Vince, is we're not talking about getting guys one of their four games in in the first half. Right. Right. The red shirt guys are going to play four games. No, no, no. Wait till the second half for that. We're talking about guys that are not red shirts that maybe haven't got a chance to play a ton that you think can really help you down the stretch or the, the, the end of quarter three. Right. When you play Clemson. Uh, or give you or secure your depth a little bit so it's more those guys is what i'm talking about as opposed to like a let's get you know your freshman offensive lineman who you're only going to play four games in the game that's not what we're talking right. that's I'm, that's I'm, that's I'm, key for this game vince but that's third fourth quarter right. stuff. i'm talking more like uh, for right. example
2: maybe junior two alamaka if he if he is if like he's not starting by then will, right. granted right but if he's pushing 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 right guess what this is a great opportunity hey Right. You're you're pushing our starter right now. Right. Let's see what you got. And he's in there right. with the starters. Like that 100 That's the example
1: that came to my head, you know, as a guy that could be that guy. That's what this game needs to be about. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to do that. And and yeah. you're going to know a lot about your team about whether you're able to handle that. Cuz that also it, it, that also results in get in a little bit more events of that that's got to include some more reps that we can practice too. Sure. You know, not not a ton, but you know, like if that's going to be cuz that's your if you are going to do that, Vince, it's your plan going in. It's not like a well, we'll see how it goes, you know, and play it by ear. You you, you prepare for that going into the game. Now, not the way they did it for Ball State in twenty eighteen, where they literally were given the third string, like number one reps. That right. that no, that's not yeah. Uh, in week two, and, and, you know, right. it, it, this is a different situation. Right. So right, that's what the UNLV game is about. And then, of course, the final key to UNLV game is come out of it healthy. Like those, those are always the biggest right. fears with games like that. Is Come out of it healthy, and and then you get into quarter two. Now this is an interesting game, Vince, because from a pure matchup standpoint, Syracuse doesn't scare me, but it is a game where if you're not locked in, this could be a more challenging game than people think. It could be a lose momentum game, sure. and here's why I say that: they have it. The, it's going to be at the Carrier Dome which is a very unique atmosphere than what these kids have ever played in. Just the whole – from what I'm told, yeah. like, looks different. The playing surface is different. The the, the vision – I mean, we've heard this in, from basketball players for years. Like, it's hard to shoot free throws in the carrier dome because it's such a different view. It just, it's, deeper, it's just – it's deeper. It's just – a backboard, and it's just, like, never-ending. Right. It, 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 right. With you and your – And the same thing is true in football. Right. And so this is this is what I like. I, this is why I want them to not move the game away from the Carrier Dome because I want them to have sort of that mentally challenging experience, sure. right? But here's the other part of it: is you know Syracuse is not a super talented team. I do like Dino Babers as a coach. I, he's been disappointing the last few years, but I really felt like last year Syracuse became a much more competitive team. At times, and then they would fade. Like you know, they 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 took Florida State. They beat Liberty, just a big win. Beat my former boss, who's at Albany. Took Wake Forest down to the wire. Took Clemson down to the wire. Lost those two games by a combined six points. Then they go on the road and beat Virginia Tech. Then they beat Boston College by fifteen. That was with Phil Dracovic having have just come back, so it's not you can't even like blame it on them not having Phil. Now he wasn't one hundred percent, but he played, and they you know in that game. And then you go out and use your, lose your last three games to Louisville, NC State, and Pitt, and, and not one of them was competitive. So it's like all that momentum. They were starting to build three straight three-point losses and then two back-to-back big wins for them. And then – Yeah. But the reality is, is this is a decent football team. And the biggest thing about it is this. They got a really good running back coming back on Sean Tucker. If you remember him, he's the kid, Vince, that rushed for that. like It was like an 80-some-yard touchdown against Notre Dame's back. Yeah, I remember two years
2: ago. Yeah, I remember that. Really
1: quality back. They've got a pretty good offense, and Ryan talked about this recently. They've got a pretty good offensive line coming back, a pretty physical offensive line coming back. And they have a very mobile quarterback in Garrett Schrader. Now he's not he wasn't much of a passer last year, but this is a kid. The interesting thing about him is this is a kid, Vince, that that has started games in the SEC. Mm. He began his career at Mississippi State and started as a true freshman at Mississippi State, started multiple games against Mississippi State. If he, this in 2019, he threw for 238 yards. If you remember that LSU Mississippi State game in 19, LSU eventually wore, wore him out and won by 20, 23. But Mississippi State kept it co- close for a while. And Garrett Schrader was running around and made some plays in that game. Yeah. So this is a kid that's got a lot of experience. I think last year, it took him a while to kind of find himself as a passer, and he never really did. Yeah. I mean, three of his last four games. That he didn't even have 100 yards passing he did go 17 to 24 for 217 and two touchdowns in the last game against pitt but the kid can run he had three games with at least 137 yards rushing including against florida state and wake forest he had 174 against virginia tech he had 78 against bc 70 against north nc state 53 against liberty 42 against albany This is a kid that can hurt you with his legs. And what's the one kryptonite that we've always talked about, this Notre Dame team? Now, again, until they prove us otherwise, we can't just assume because there's new coaches, because it was a problem for uh, Bob Diaco. It was a problem. Everything was a problem for Brian Van Uh, It was a problem for Mike Elko. It was a problem for Clark Lee. It was a problem for Marcus Freeman. And until Al Golden proves that he has an answer for it, It's going to be a problem. You know, we have to consider this as a problem when talking about matchups. Absolutely, it's one of those things where do I expect Notre Dame to lose this game? No, I'd be shocked if Notre Dame loses this game. But could Syracuse maybe make this a little bit more challenging than than you than you hope it to be? Absolutely, and And that's the concern. Yeah,
2: and there's a lot of there's a lot of how do I want to say this? Um, It's an away game. It's at a weird place. It's against a team who's got some weapons. You know, and and again. I, I, I'm with you. I do not expect Notre Dame to lose this game in any way, shape, or form. They should be seven and one going into the Clemson game. I fully anticipate that being the case. But there, there's just and depending on injuries and all of those things that you can't predict, there, there's just a lot of um weirdness about going to Syracuse. It's not, you know, there, there's nothing around Syracuse. There's not mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, the carrier dome's a weird place. There's just a lot of things. Um that are strange about this game and that's why it can be a trip up game this is why it can be it it fits the definition of a trap game right and again I think you said this in the last show or maybe the show before that a trap game doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna lose but a trap can knock you off of your pedestal and knock you off lose that momentum momentum that you're on and by golly (laughs) Notre
1: Dame needs the momentum going into the Clemson game I mean, because you, you look at 20, you're 100% right. You look at 2015, Vince, Notre Dame turned the ball over five times against BC, including three times inside the 10 yard line and still won. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. BC was terrible. Notre Dame had one of its worst offensive performances in years against Wake Forest and still won by 21. Right. Like those were bad teams. That's like the third time I've thrown that pen out of my hand during the show. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> there you go. Um, but you still won those games and won them convincingly. But you lost momentum in those back-to-back yeah. games. Your perception took a hit. You lost momentum. You got out of rhythm of what made you, you know, effective. And so, you know, if you if you can go into Syracuse, and that's I mean, confidence is part of it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not. That's part of it. Agree with part, you. Yeah. I'm more looking for it from a from a timing, a cohesion, like, boy, we're just really clicking, you know? It's like – it's more – so it's like – Vince, we've all played sports, right? Whether it's at a practice or in a game, you're playing basketball, right? And you're just – man, I don't know what it is, but it's like everything feels good. Like, baseball is that way for me sometimes. Like, And when I was pitching, like, I just felt – man, I felt good. I just – I feel like, man, this is something that, you know, I I can – I just – man, I can just put this ball wherever I want. I'm throwing easy gas. Like, I've just – and then you have that one inning where you're like, oh oh that doesn't feel right when you know and you and you lose it yep and sometimes you can get it back yeah sometimes you can't yeah right and so it's the same thing with a football game when you lose that momentum that cohesiveness that that sharpness and you start to maybe doubt yourself or you're like well gee that's weird or we got to fix that or whatever all of a sudden it's like but it can be hard to get that back and that's what a game like Syracuse is. Yeah. I'm not so much concerned. I think Notre Dame's past that. again. Marcus Freeman needs to prove that he could do what Brian Kelly did. Like that's the that's the thing for Marcus Freeman. At, at minimum, minimum, he's got to at least repeat what Brian Kelly did. And what did Brian Kelly do? He beat the teams he's supposed to sure. beat, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a stat, Vince. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a stat. In Brian Kelly's 12 years at Notre Dame. They went 19 and 29 against teams that finished ranked in the top 25. That's in 12 years. So that's 48 games. In his 11 years at Notre Dame, Lou Holtz's teams went 31, 23, and two against top five teams, or top 20 teams that finished in the top 25. Now, here's where Brian Kelly really, 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 really dominated. In his his years... Notre Dame went 93 and 12 against teams that finished the year unranked, and if you go through his his tenure, it had been a while since Notre Dame had lost to a team that finished the season unranked, and and I, I think it was actually 2016 was the last time that happened that they lost a game to a team that finished ranked, uh, or excuse me unranked, and I and I don't even think teams were yeah even teams that all the teams they lost who were ranked when they played them and finished ranked you'd have to go back to 2016 for that abysmal season to navy navy 2016 that was the weekend we got rita that's how long ago that was (laughs) right because i've told you the story i told angela she was working at a we had our dog had passed away that summer and and my wife needed some dog time, so she was volunteering at the local shelter. And I was going to Jacksonville for the day. I said, do not bring a dog home. And, of course, she brought Rita home. So, anyway, um, that's how, that's how much pull I got in my house. And I'm glad she didn't listen to me because I love that girl. But, anyway, <clears throat> that's a long time since Notre Dame lost to an unranked opponent. Right? Like, say whatever you want about Brian Kelly. That's that's where the program got significantly better than it was yep. under previous coaches, yep. because in a lot of those 12 losses happened in his first five, six years when he was building the program right. up. Right. You look at, you look at, he went 93 and 12, Charlie Weiss against unranked teams went 34 and 15 Ty Willingham went 13 and six. Bob Davy went 30 and 11. Lou Holtz went 69 and seven. So if you look at Kelly's record against ranked opponents, he was very similar to what Charlie and Davy was, right? Uh, excuse me, uh, Ty and, and and Charlie were like Charlie Char, or Davy. Charlie was bad against ranked teams. Charlie went one and twelve against teams that finished ranked. Ty mm-hmm. went eight and nine. Davy went five and fourteen. Kelly is nineteen and twenty nine. It's very similar to them against ranked teams. But here's where he was way better, and this is why Brian Kelly should be defined as a good coach, right? Absolutely. Right? Not not a great coach, but a significantly better coach than before because. He got to the program ninety three and twelve against unranked opponents, compared to thirty four and fifteen for Charlie, thirteen and six for Ty, and thirty and eleven for for Bob Davy, right? And, and so, you've got to at least continue to be that. You can't afford to have the slip up there. The question now is, can you take it to where he what he could do, which is to beat the top the top twenty five team. And that's where a game like this is where you learn something about Marcus Freeman and the staff because it's the second road game, but it's the, the, the second road game against a non-big opponent because the BYU game to me is not a road game. That's a neutral site game. It's right. in Las Vegas.
2: It's a Shamrock series, so it's especially right. a Notre Dame home game as far as all the – Pretty much. Game. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Ohio State's a road game. Carolina's a road game, but this is the, this is third. The first one you're going to be ready for, I mean mentally ready for. The North Carolina game I don't see Notre Dame overlooking because they're a good opponent. They're going to be potentially ranked in the top 25. This is the game where maybe you overlook your opponent. Right. And, and so this is the game that we learn. Okay. What is this Notre Dame? This is another one of those. What is the leadership of this football team going right. to be like? Absolutely. And and that's another takeaway from this game. So yes, it's about the momentum. It's about, it's about, you know, continue to grow as a team. It's about, you know, getting ready for Clemson and all that, but it's also about how locked in can you be on your football team? And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, The schedule sets up nicely because I really like the fact that the week before they play Notre Dame, Syracuse has to play at Clemson. Oh, so you're going to be the Clemson stuff a week later is going to be really fresh in your mind. But it gives you a measuring stick, in my opinion, about about where you are compared to, to to Clemson and all that. Those are just some of the little side nuggets of this game. But then the final piece, Vince, is can you finally show that you can go out and show slow down a, a mobile quarterback? That's going to be another key for this game.
2: Sure. Absolutely Now, Let me ask you from a coach's standpoint, does it ever worry you when you've got a team that you're preparing for who, who's, you know, subpar to par, whatever. And they happen to be playing that team that you're playing the next week. Who's really good. Mm-hmm. And that's the film you're watching. Like that's a, a lot of the film that you're watching is them playing that team that you're playing next yeah. week. You
1: know? Man. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. The players are like looking at the other team as opposed to the team. Absolutely. For absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. And that's why I say, like, that's why this game concerns me. Yeah. You know, compared to North Carolina, compared to because, like, Ohio State, all your folks, no one's worried about Marshall. Game one, right? In North Carolina, it's it's you've got to buy the next week. There's right. there's it. That's the game to worry about. And they gave you a test last year, so you're gonna be ready for that one. This one's different because you got the big boy coming right next week. Absolutely, and and you're going to spend the whole week watching film of that team. Exactly, and and so yeah, I think that's a really good point, Vince. It's a really good point. You, know, but that goes back to you know what I had said earlier, and I wasn't thinking about this. So you definitely put something in, in my mind that I, I wasn't thinking of when I said it. But it falls under that category of this is where you learn what kind of leadership you have as a football team. And whenever you and I talk about leadership, we're always talking about player leadership. At the end of the day that's what's got to be strong. you listen to the 19 the players that played in the 1988 team Lou Holtz set a standard of this is the excellence that we demand yeah but the reason that it, it worked isn't because he said it and demanded it and was hard on the practice it's because the captains of those teams dem- lived it and demanded it now you may not like it but we got something bigger in mind here right and and that's something that to me um I you learn a lot. Th- these are the games you learn a lot about your football team. Absolutely. And if you don't play well, it doesn't define you. It doesn't mean, oh, gee, you're not a great team because, I mean, we could go back to that 1988 team, and there were some, some ugly wins that 1988 year because, it's like you said, it's hard, to get, it's hard to get locked in. I mean, they beat a the week before Miami, and this is to your point, Vince. I think this is a great example is a week before they played Miami, they played a a not very good Pittsburgh team and won 30 to 20. But if you remember, it was kind of an ugly game. You know, it wasn't a super, super pretty game. And, you know, it, you were thinking about Miami, right? I mean, you, you beat Navy, that a 3-8 and eight Navy team that year, you beat them 22 to 7, right? It was an ugly game. You beat a 5-6 and six Penn State team 21 to 3, a little sloppy win. But what did that team do every time after that? They bounced back and, and dominated the big. They were able to rise to the occasion right. because it's not so much that you play perfect football but are you at least focused? Are you at least locked in? Are you at least not avoiding getting into the bad habits? It's not so much that you've got to go out and win by 50. Right. It's the momentum is more about it's it, it's more about the cohesion. It's about are you staying are you staying true to your preparation? Are you staying true to your discipline? Are you staying true to the things that makes you who you are? cuz every team's going to have an up and down performance. I mean, I, one of the best teams I ever saw in my lifetime was that 01 Miami team. And and they had a couple games where you're like, uh, boy, they they almost lost that one. I think it was like two I think it was 2001 is when they had that crazy Ed Reed return fumble for a touchdown to help them beat BC. You know, I mean, that was a pretty competitive game, beat it yeah. BC 18 to 7. Right. I mean, that was a team. You look at the schedule, you're thinking, well, B.C.'s not the team that's going to have a better shot to beat them than Syracuse. I think I think McNabb was. No, McNabb wasn't on that team. He was already in the NFL. But that was a good, a highly ranked Syracuse team. You beat number 12, Washington, 65 to seven. You beat number 14, Florida State, 49 to 27. You beat Penn State, 33 to seven. Then, of course, they killed Nebraska in the title game. But B.C. gave them a run for their money why because you know you can't always be, you can't be on every single week when you play decent teams but just because you didn't play well doesn't mean you lose momentum you lose momentum Vince because you get out of your rhythm you you lose your yeah. discipline you yeah. lose your focus you lose all those kind of things and that's the key and you need that I'm going to segue this one like a champ you need that because going to that next week you've got to bring your A game
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
1: Now, Clemson. I don't know if this is not going to be 2018 Clemson. Agreed. It's not. Agreed. It's not probably going to be 2016 Clemson, but it's going to be better than last year's Clemson. And this is the game, Vince, that whether you're, you know, eight, seven and one, eight, 0 oh, whatever the case may be, this is a big game for Notre Dame. It's a big game in two aspects, and we talked about this in the original show, I believe. Maybe you and I just talked about it, and we forgot to bring it up in the show. It all kind of bleeds together. Uh, but not only is it a big game for 2022, for all the reasons we talked about before, you know, this is the game you overcome a potential loss earlier. Uh, this is the game where if you're undefeated, you solidify your top four. Because if they're undefeated coming into this game, they're in the top four. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if the, this is going to be the first Saturday, November, so I would imagine there has been at least one college football playoff ranking coming out by that point in time.
2: I think so eight, does that sound right? Or am I just making things up?
1: It'll be week nine, but like it's, but it's usually out. like late October, okay. usually. Okay. But it also depends on you know how many buys and when the season starts. It's like all that kind of weird stuff. So, I mean, usually Notre Dame will have eight games under their belt. There's usually at least four rankings, four to five rankings, right? So there's probably been at least one college football playoff ranking. And Vince, you may want may, may look up, see if they have it on there when the rankings come out. But you may have at least one college football playoff ranking. If you are in the top four, then this game solidifies it. If you're outside of the top four because you have a loss, this is the kind of game that allows you to jump way in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because even if Clemson isn't what they've been, they're still going to be pretty good, in my opinion. Like this version of Clemson, in my opinion, is going to be better than last year's version of Clemson. Sure. I I truly believe that. I, I don't have you know evidence of it per se. I know there's a lot of Clemson fans that are kind of flipping out about you know who they hired and a bunch of you know guys that don't have reputations and all that and you know Dabo's kind of banking on it. But the reality is, is their schedule coming into this game is pretty easy. Well, if we're being honest,
2: I will also say, looking at the rest of Clemson's schedule, this is by far their biggest game of the year. Hundred by big time, They're not They're close, not close. I mean, if we're going to talk strength of schedule and all of that, and again, I'm not necessarily holding it against Clemson. Because they're in the ACC and they have to play ACC games. But their non-conference is Furman, Louisiana Tech, and South Carolina. And then Notre Dame, right. Notre Dame. And, I mean, again, the Notre Dame game is by far their biggest uh, their biggest test. So I, even if – I mean, if, if Syracuse I – mean, Syracuse. If Clemson goes 11-1 and and they lose to Notre Dame – they're going to have all of the conversation that was surrounding Notre Dame about strength of schedule, in my opinion. They'll, they'll it, and they'll probably
1: be out. It, yeah, right, that's what it I'm de- saying. It depends on the yeah. It depends on the quality of the game. It depends right. on two things. Number one, quality of the game, and then how much they dominate everybody else. Yeah, I don't think it's a guarantee. Here's the interesting. I don't think it's a guarantee that Clemson's undefeated when they come play Notre Dame. Okay, and, and, and because there's there's. NC State supposedly is going to be good this year. Now, for me, I'm, I need to see Dave Dorn show me he can put together two seasons, good seasons in a row. He hasn't shown yeah. he can do that yet. But like one good year, and then they have high expectations next year, and they falter. It, he, I wonder if him and Matt Campbell have a lot in common, right, where Matt Campbell's done a lot of good things at Iowa State, but the one year that they had high expectations, they kind of they faltered. Did. Yes, they did. And we've seen that with NC State as well. You got Boston College, which – well, you got well, it's you got you got NC State at home, but then it surrounded yeah. the NC State game, you've got Wake Forest on the road. Now, Clemson has dominated Wake Forest. Like that's just a bad matchup for Wake Forest. But that's still a good Wake Forest football team. Like that's a dangerous Wake Forest football team. But then you have at Boston College, right. which you and I don't think is gonna be a cakewalk. Sure. And then you're at Florida State, and that to me is the biggest wild card on their schedule. Because I just don't know what Florida yeah. State's gonna be. They've got a lot of athletes coming back. They've now gotten even rid of more and more of the attitude problems that are there. They recruited better this past year, still not anywhere close to vintage Florida State, but they're recruiting better. You know what and it's the it's the it's the combination of that plus it's coming off of a tough three-game stretch beforehand of at Wake, home against sure. NC State at BC. Are they kind of overlooking that as they also start to kind of look ahead a little bit? If they're undefeated, do they start peeking ahead at what's coming down the road? Or is Florida State still big enough of an opponent where they're locked in? Those are all questions about Clemson. But at worst, in my opinion, they'll have one loss at worst. because And the reason I say that, Vince, is even if their offense is as bad as it was last year, there's no Georgia on the schedule. Right. And and some of the teams that they lost to last year, they lost on the road. Like I just don't see them being that bad. You know, but even like last year, they lost at NC State in overtime. They get NC State at home. Last year they lost at Pitt. Well, Pitt doesn't have Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison anymore. That's not a problem. Did and, huh? Do they have Pitt on their schedule? I don't remember seeing Pitt. No, yeah. No, it was a crossover game. Yeah. Like other division game. Yeah. Uh, but they would have to potentially play Pitt in the ACC championship game, sure, which they have done before. So you look at it and you say, you know, even as bad as Clemson was last year, they lost by seven points to the eventual national champions in a game where the other team didn't score a single offensive touchdown. They lost by an overtime to NC state. They lost by 10 to Pitt. That was a convincing win. And then after that, you know, they, they, they ran the table rest of the way and it wasn't super convincing, but, their defense is going to be older, healthier, and really good. With a new defensive coordinator, too. Yes. Who at least showed in the – I mean, he, he 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 impressed me in the bowl game. He okay. did. He impressed me in the bowl game. But even then, Vince, sometimes, especially in the ACC, your talent is so good that you can't screw it up. Sure. Unless you're like just Brian McGorder, and I don't think this guy is that. Right. Right? I get that. I get that. And and so, I, I mean, I, you're talking about the best defensive line in college football. Sure you're talking about a really athletic group of linebackers, you're talking about a, a pretty good secondary. I think their offense is going to be better. I don't think their offense is going to be what it's been in the past. I don't. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that.
2: And I still think I still think Clemson's offense is going to struggle with athletic fronts. Yes. I, I, that and and somebody was mentioned, I think it was Chris Ayers is mentioning the wide receivers that Clemson had. Yeah. Of course, they're going to have great wide receivers. They all they they always have for the past 10 years, right? But no not last year okay well that's fair <laughs> well, i'm just saying i don't right. care who they've got on the outside they got to get them the ball i'm not
1: trading clemson's receivers for notre dame's they right now get them the ball yeah
2: right okay? and that that's my right that's my whole point is they got to yeah. get them the ball, and that means yeah. the DJ, who is not very mobile is going to have have time to get right.
1: out because the question that chris had is what position groups does clemson have a recruiting ranking advantage edge over notre dame on it i don't care I, Chris, this is, this is a fair question. I'm saying like, I don't care. I'm not going to, I don't look at it that way. I don't really care. I care about what are they on the field. And, and when I look at Clemson, I don't, I don't think their D line is going to be great because Brian Breezy and Miles Murphy were five stars. They're great because when you pop into the film, they're freaking great. You know what I mean? Like they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like their offense is going to be good because DJ was a five star. He's he, he's not. Right. I mean, at least he hasn't shown that in my opinion. Nope. And so to me, when I look at that matchup, I say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll the, the question, Chris, I'll tell you, do me one favor, Chris. Okay. He asked a question about on paper has a better overall talent Clemson or Notre Dame. I'll say Notre Dame by hair. Chris, that's a great question. Can you remember to bring that back later in the summer when we actually focus more on the, we're going to go through and kind of do each of the 12 teams. To the, for the most part, where we're going to not look at it from a schedule standpoint, but really dive into those teams and talk about players and matchups and all that kind of stuff. Because I think that would be a much better time to have that conversation. This isn't so much a matchup discussion as part as more of a big picture, what does this game mean discussion? Because your question is great, Chris. It's just, I think, well, let's save that for a future down the road show. And Chris is a regular, so he'll, I'm sure he'll remember that. But I think that's a better time uh, to get there. But like John a one says, you know, I think Clemson is the only defense that can actually dominate Notre Dame up front. I don't think they can, if Notre Dame's as good as we think they can be, they won't dominate Notre Dame. They didn't dominate Notre Dame in 2018 with a great D line. They didn't dominate Notre Dame up front in 2016 with a great D line. But what it does to, to, to John's point is they can neutralize Notre Dame's dominance at that position. And that's what they did in 2018. That's what they did in 2016 and that's what Georgia did in 2017. It's not that Georgia dominated Notre Dame's line. They neutralized Notre Dame's dominance. And Clemson's one of the few teams that has that. So I think this is a big show-me game for both teams. You know, if Clemson's undefeated, odds are they're not going to have beaten anybody that's highly ranked. I don't see NC State with a home loss to Clemson being super highly ranked. I don't see Florida State being highly ranked, BC, Wake Forest. Yeah. They're not this is gonna be a show me game for Clemson. Absolutely. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a show me like, okay, Notre Dame, are you legit? Yes. Because you beat Ohio State, but you Back. haven't really beat a ton of great teams late. Are you legit? Or okay, you lost Ohio State. Is this same old Notre Dame where you Go 10-2 and and beat all the teams you're supposed to beat but lose to the others, that's going to be the test.
2: This game, regardless of what happens against Ohio State, because there's going to be plenty of talking heads out there they are going to dismiss a win against Ohio State as as fluky for Notre Dame because that's just what they're going to do, right?
1: First game, new coaches, blah, blah, blah. A million excuses. There's going to be a million excuses, okay?
2: And now, when you had the Clemson game seven weeks later, or eight weeks later, excuse me, I think... This is where you're going to get people's attention. So let's say they're seven and one. They lost a close game to Ohio state. You know, it's all same old Notre Dame. They can't beat the big boys. And then they beat Clemson. It's going to be like, Oh, they were, they, they were fully healthy. They had everybody that they needed, blah, 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 blah. Okay. We got to take Notre Dame seriously. If they beat Ohio state and they're undefeated going into the Clemson game, it's still a huge game because now it's going to, those talking heads who made all the excuses are going to be like, well, Okay, Notre Dame is legit. They just beat an undefeated Clemson, and they beat Ohio State. We're going to have to take these guys seriously. Mm -hmm. So that's why, regardless of what happens against Ohio State, I still think this is an absolutely huge game from a national perspective, from a perception perspective, and for this team. Because if they lose to Ohio State and they win the next seven games, okay, that's great. But if they can beat Clemson at home – that's a hu- that's huge right. for confidence. That's huge yep. for momentum, especially moving into what they've got the rest of the the latter. Great
1: half. resume builder. Yes,
2: because
1: Clemson will be ranked, in my opinion. The I, question oh, is, I, are they going to be a top five? Because they're a preseason top five team. I, I haven't done my top twenty five yet. I don't know if I'm going to feel good about putting them in the top five. I, I'm not just assuming Clemson's going to get back on track because right. you can't look at it as those down year, but everybody's back. They're going to be fine. I mean, they they completely remade their coaching staff. And it's either going to be a great success, and Dabo's going to win coach of the year because he hired a bunch of guys no one's ever heard of, or it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's probably why you probably shouldn't have hired a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't know. So I'm just not jumping, like, the assumption that AM is going to be great and Clemson's going to be great and all this other stuff. I think we're going to have a top 25 show this summer where we, maybe a couple where we do our top 25, but then also talk about others and who we think is overrated, underrated, maybe part of the same show, whatever. <laughs> but they're going to be top 10 to 15 for sure, in my opinion. I, I, and so, you know, and, 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 you know, Iris one just said, let's hope Clemson's is undefeated when we play them hundred percent. And that's the thing is if with the schedule they play, if, if they're at the very least seven and one, I think, what did we count? Vince, there was eight games before they played Notre Dame. Yeah, something I think like they that. nine games. Let me go. Let me go count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and eight. So they'll be at, if they're at bet. If we're seven and one, they're going to be a top twenty team in my right. view. Right. So no. it, it's a chance for a big win and big picture events. Another win over Clemson, especially if it can be a game where you were clearly the better team, like in twenty twenty. Notre Dame outplayed Clemson, but it was more of like they had to build up the big or the big lead and then hold Clemson off. Where it was kind of like, and then you could say, well, you know, Clemson didn't have Trevor, they didn't have Tyler Davis, they didn't have Mike Jones. That you know, An excuse is already built in. I mean, it, right, right. It didn't have Justin Ross; he was out for the no, year. Honest. Right, they were legit time. excuses. I mean, they were, and then you saw on the rematch. What happened, right? Absolutely. But as long as there's not something like that, if you can win to where it's clear you're the better team, this is a big picture statement game. Because we talk about, remember, you, Lou, Lou and I used to do the thing together, and I don't know if you and him did it together when you worked with him, but we did that tiers conversation. And, we'll, yeah. you know, where's Notre Dame in the tiers? Well, you're not truly in tier one, in, in my opinion, until you win a title, uh, or you're just consistently, you know, that level, but you're close, you know, Notre Dame's, knocking on the door this could be that thing where you really kick it open and say hey we're here from a recruiting standpoint from a program standpoint where you say hey look that era of that is behind us that era where we couldn't beat good teams unless there were some mitigating circumstance right Mm -hmm. and so that's another opportunity to do that because this is a, a clemson's not georgia they're not alabama they're not ohio state meaning they're not a historical blue blood program. Yes, they've won a title in the past in 1981 with Danny Ford, but they're not considered on the same level historically as Notre Dame, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan programs like that. Can we all agree on that? I think we should all be able to agree on that. Absolutely. So to me, they're teetering on that level of dominance. Their recruiting's not great right now. And and they had that down year to where if they kind of go out this year and, and get smacked by the only good team that they play, they could fall hard and now that's one more team that Notre Dame has now ascended in their chase to a championship. So it could be that thing. It's kind of like is Clemson that 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 heavyweight fighter that's kind of getting a little bit long in the tooth and the upstart's got a chance to knock him out. And that's what that also game that game also to me uh, signifies that as well. I think it's a yeah. great opportunity for a big picture victory as well. Yes. And also big picture, if you lose, it's you're not there yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's what that game means to me. If you lose this game, that means you probably lost Ohio State, and now well, I
1: wouldn't say that. I don't. I
2: don't. Well, it, it just depends on how things are going. I, I, I'll I can't say this
1: one: but- whether whether they whether they even if they beat Ohio State to to your point, it's still a. You had said it earlier. There's mm-hmm. going to be all the excuses. First game, blah 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 sure. blah blah. And so they're gonna they're then gonna harp on the second game, right? That they lost. That's what the focus will be on. Absolutely, rightfully so. Because if you're if you're trying to be Bama, Georgia, those teams, you've got to win these type of games, especially at home. You can't say, "Wow, well, we split with those two teams." No, beat them both, right? That's the objective. That's the standard. So, anyway, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. Vince is is there's big 2022 implications, but there's even more to it than than just that in this game against Clemson and that's what makes this you know you start the you start the the third quarter off with arguably the worst team you're going to play and you could make a case that this is going to be the best team that they play now I think Ohio State's going to be a better team overall but is Ohio State in week one going to be better than Clemson in week 10 right that's what I don't know because Clemson's also going to be coming off of a bye and so they're going to be able to get fresh. And the, and that's the one thing we've always said. We 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 give respect to buys if a team is – it's a chance for a team to get healthy. And that's what it could be for Clemson. So uh, that's the – is Ohio State in week one going to be better than Clemson in week 10? That's the discussion. That's the debate in regards to the best team that they play. Maybe not the highest ranked, but the best team. That's what we'll find out. Can you beat that team? And it's going to tell us a whole lot about Notre Dame.
2: Absolutely. No that's question. why the third quarter is – Really, really important to this team and the momentum that they're going to have moving into the fourth quarter, which we will be talking about next
1: week. So make sure you stay tuned. Not Tuesday. One quick note. I have – so I ended up not having jury duty last time ah. because they canceled late and they pushed me back to the, the 31st. Ah. So I am right now scheduled for jury duty on Tuesday. So okay. we may we'll we figure may it record out. a show yeah, we'll and play it. it. Or something else, but it won't be it won't be me live with you. But you we go. will get to it at some point in time great. next week.
2: We got the fourth oh, yeah. quarter coming next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And we have a show
1: tonight as well.
2: Tonight, yes. Thank you for that reminder. Uh there's a commitment coming. Uh we're we're going
1: to track. No, that. there's a commitment show coming. Well, no, I didn't say co- He's committing somewhere. Yes. There's okay. Coming. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. I just read that as Notre Dame's getting oh, a commitment. Like, hold I on, know. now we're not saying that. I like, didn't okay. say that. There is a young man who
2: is about to commit someplace and no, and Irish Breakdown will have a show yeah. to talk about that yes. commitment and where he yes. ends up going. Yes. So that's we'll Jay Lamar, that. the running back out of Washington. Yeah, and he is going to commit tonight to somewhere: right. uh, Notre Dame,
1: Denver. Michigan, Oregon, or Arizona. Yep. So I do love this. Uh, First great. of all, thanks for the super chat, Chris. Yeah. But he says, I still love your example of Ohio State was Captain American endgame. If we beat Ohio State and Clemson, Notre Dame will be like Black Panther walking in next to Ohio State. Then SEC will be like, here we go. And I, I think that's important for Notre Dame. I mean, I think that's important for college football, that it's not just Ohio State standing on the edge of the battlefield against this unsurmountable foe that is the SEC, like you said, it's like you know, Clemson's got to be whoever you want Clemson to be. Is it Thor? Is it Iron Man? I don't care. Then you've got to have the other. I, I think that's a, a great point. And hopefully, if it, someday if it's if there is a program that's standing on the edge of of the SEC monstrosity and everybody else is, you know, hopefully Notre Dame can become Captain America. And that, 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 of course, I would prefer because that's my favorite Marvel character. Marvel character, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that's what I'm hoping that this season can be. Yep. Where Notre Dame can become that program. But yes, I, I thank you for that super chat. Very, all right. Very so make
2: sure you tune in tonight at seven o'clock. That is when that show will kick off. We'll on. have a Q&A afterwards as well. Q&A after that one as well. And then of course, tomorrow is the biggest Q&A of them all. It's the Friday free for all. So make sure you <laughs> tune in for that one as well. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince Dario, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
3: mypatriotsupply.com